over But you don't have the nerve You want to run away But you will have to curve You want to Match 92. Listen to those shakers. That's maracas. Tell you what, man. No better cure for writer's block than just pumping out a dance tune. I think you may have uh, crossed some line there. What kind of line? Many lines. Many lines? Yeah. Like, don't sing during the intro music. What? Why? You can be all gay all you want and ambiance us. No, but remember... uh, Curtis and Saunders. Yeah, I remember. Sounded sounded kind of like that. Yeah, every once in a while. It's nice. I liked it. I liked it when it came together in the harmony there. I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, it's like a dance tune. It's the feeling of the night. It's the feeling of the night, Mark. You're gonna have to curve. Great lyric. I'll tell you what. I didn't even write those lyrics down. I made that little. I made some of those drum beats and the synth stuff, and I was like, I just set up the mic. And just hit record. See what happens. And that is that is what came out of my mouth. I wasn't even thinking. Turn my mind off. And art floweth, Mark. Natch 92. Whisper in your lover's ear. Text, text that sound, Hawk. Text me. 303-548-6877. You should ready to jump in there. Look at you. <laughs> I was just excited. It's like, it's my intro. I mean, I usually say text the sound, Hawk. That's all. Hey. Man, we've got a new show you should know about. Oh, yeah. If you came here, I mean... There's probably a, thousands of you that come to Natch just for my football picks for our in the face in the face segment. We're blowing that up. It's its own show now. It's called In the Face Episode Alpha. Mm-hmm. It's the first episode. It's out now. You might have already heard it. I mean, you can chances find it. are we're gonna just drop it right in our feed. Yeah. Um, if you're a SoundCloud streamer person, we'll we'll like turn it into a big playlist. All the episodes there, and uh, yeah, we're gonna at least do it through the through the through the Super Bowl. You're going to love it. We're hoping to do 26 episodes. <laughs> Alpha, Bravo, Charlie. Yeah. So forth. What was D? The Delia. Really? Get ready for episode golf. That's a good one. That might that one might be all about Tiger Woods uh, making a return to uh Could combine two of our greatest passions, golf. back problems and golf. Yeah, we are getting to that it's age. It's the feeling of the night. It's the feeling of the night. Loudest call my whatever's going on in my ears right now is insane. That's so off, but I'm just gonna leave it. Hey, because I'm a pro, I trust you on the mixing board. Loudest cauliflower, cauliflower. I can't even like can't speak. I sound like I'm in a uh, I think 
Is this the right mic? Oh my God, dude. Yes. <laughs> I thought we went with the black mic. No, the black mic was the one with problems. That yeah. is your mic. That's the one you've always been using. Unless you tinker. Don't start messing with it, man. Just leave it alone and do the podcast. And Scout, don't start a fire. You know Come what on. it is? It's on the wrong number. What is it? One. I think it's supposed to be on one. Three. Fine. Switch it to three. Let's see if it, your paranoia disappears. Three. Is that better? It's better. Yeah, I like it better. You're quieter. Okay. I was on one for the hole in the face. Not my, not my fault. I don't touch that microphone. That's your mic. Somebody did. All right. Loudest cauliflower <laughs> creak for 24 years. Should we predicted. keep going or was that the end? The end of what? The, the podcast? Don't touch that microphone. Fuck you. Loudest cauliflower creak for 24 years predicted. I wanted to... I got suckered in and then I realized this actually happened in 2015. Whoops. Oh, this is an old article? June 28th. I'm going to remember it for you. Cast our minds back. Back to... on June 28th, 2015. This is long before November 8th, 2016. Wow. I was 39 better now. Yeah, I was 39 back then. Remember when the Cornwall Collies creaked their loudest in 25 years. The so-called cauliflower creak is an eerie sound, a loud squeaking noise caused by a sudden growth or flush of the vegetable when the florets, florets rub together. So it's almost like a cricket chirping, but it's just cauliflower chirping. Just Those cauliflower florets. Once. Why would it only happen once? Oh, it happens once a year, but this, this one's going to be particularly loud? When it happened in the growing season, when... The way the temperature fluctuated. Humidity, the barometer. Those collies creaked. Stuff. And I searched everywhere online. I tried to find the sound. I couldn't find the couldn't sound. Couldn't find it? I couldn't bet it sounded like this. It's <laughs> the f- and so why why am I looking at a show image with a guy with some... Cabbage? Cabbage on his head. Well, because I was intrigued by this cauliflower story. I kids was, in the Hall. Yeah, it's, a kids in, it's from Kids in the Hall. I was looking for a picture of a cauliflower. And I was like, man, cauliflowers are kind of boring. And then, and then I thought of Cabbage Head. They're from the same bras, bras, brassicus, 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 brassicus. Is that the family, the flowering Jeez, cauliflower cabbage? It's from the brassicus or something family. No, no. So I thought of uh, one of my favorite characters from Kids in the Hall, which was a sketch comedy show that was on HBO. <laughs> Thanks. Some of our guests are younger than you, Mark. Oh. They don't know what the fuck Kids in the Hall is, maybe. Look it up. It was a great show. It was like one of the, my reasons for living back in the day. And I always thought uh, Cabbage Head was hilarious. And it was this guy with, it was Bruce McCullough who played uh, Cabbage Head. And he was like this kind of sleazy womanizer who had a cabbage on his head. And uh, here, I'll, I'll play a little clip from it. Here's some Cabbage Head for you. Well, thank you very much for a wonderful evening. I had a lovely time. Good night. <laughs> so are you going to sleep with me or what? <laughs> I'm not going to sleep with you. I haven't thought about sleeping with you, actually. It's because I have a cabbage for a hat, isn't it? Um, no, I, I don't judge people on their race, creed, or color. Unless they have a cabbage for a hat, which I do. So the conceit is he's like this swinging bachelor kind of guy. I get it. But he's got a cabbage on his head. I think I, think I missed some of the subtext back when I was in high school. Because I, I don't know. Sure? It's not clear if like he was, if he was actually the character is supposed to exist with a cabbage fused to his head, if or it's just some guy that's his tactic to pick up women as he puts cabbage leaves on his head, and is like trying to play on there. Oh, you think that's part? I don't know. Because that's what he does. That's how he tries to seal the deal. Is he tells women how rough his childhood was because he had a cabbage for a head, that kind of thing. 
Tell you another Kids in the Hall story. Please. One of the few moments in life that I was truly starstruck was when I was working the graveyard shift at Business Wire, uh, which was on 17th, uh, kind of at the bottom of the hill there, bottom of Capitol Hill. And I worked the graveyard shift, so I would walk because I'd get so bored in there. There was a 7-Eleven that was like four blocks away, but that was too close. So sometimes I would walk to that 7-Eleven that's all the way down on like Champa and between 16th and 15th. You know what I'm talking about over there? Huh? Closer to Comedy Works. Walk down there one night, <clears throat> getting some snacks. Scott Thompson. <coughs> Cabbagehead himself? No, no, that's Bruce McCullough. Scott Thompson's one of the other kids in the hall. And he was there. I think he'd been doing a comedy show at Comedy Works. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it was super exciting. He was like, hey. He said, hi. And I was like, hey, man. And it, was, it was great. Love kids in the hall. What else do we got? You didn't like my kids in the hall story, huh? You're just staring at me. <laughs> you got, you're speechless. It was that good. Tidy whities can tell you about your soil health. I'll bet they can. Hat tip Tamar Haspel. Tamar living on the edge. Take me to the other side. Loving an elevator hospital. Is that the right one? She the, the very one. Okay. Onpasture.com. Let me set this up for you. You should definitely sign up for the doc so you can see a picture of these tidy whities. This is something else. Soil microorganisms require carbon to survive. Men's cotton underwear briefs contain high amounts of carbon. You see where it's going? I do. Therefore, briefs can be buried in the soil and re retrieved later to see and evaluate soil microbiological activity and ultimately soil, I hear you, soil health status. During the South Dakota Soil Health Coalition's first soil health school in the Aberdeen and Ipswich areas, a tidy whities demonstration was conducted. The briefs were buried about the waistline in the soil five weeks ahead of the school at three sites that included corn with conventional tillage, soybeans under mulch tillage, and no-till soil currently with growing cover crops. No-till soil with cover crops. Cover crops. Cover crops. Soil health school participants had the opportunity to extract the briefs and view the results of five replicates in each field. Results were revealing, to say the least. Look at them. Mm hmm. <laughs> Look at that underwear. I think that guy on the left is uh, the control study. He's holding up a, an intact, clean, white pair of tidy whities. The man next to him is holding a decimated pair of brown mess. And those were in the healthy, active soil, right? Well, I'm going to get they to that. They got yeah, up. Yeah. There's varying degrees of decomposition here. And I think that what, what, we're, what you can take away from this, if you yourself are a farmer of tidy whities, mm hmm. That no-till method, you got a lot of microbial activity in there. It's eating away that carbon. Healthy soil. Good. I, I uh, The underwear proves it. Does it have to be tidy whities? Because I was going to bury an old pair of boxer briefs out in my own uh, garden. If, if, I could check if both I, beds. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a giant assumption. I'm going to take the leap and say that your briefs are silk, and it will not work with silk underwear. I've, I've only had one pair of silk underwear, and it was in high school, which was an inopportune <laughs> time in my life to be wearing silk underwear, because I <laughs> had half hard-ons no, all the time no. anyway. Don't peek out. Control it's, yourself. Um, you control yourself. <laughs> what? It's an honest story. I, my mom bought them for me. It was so creepy. It's like, why are you buying me silk underwear? Was it was it like hard to walk around. And like in class, when you get one of those, you know, chubs, it was like, it was for real. It was a, a hindrance. Speaking of chubs. Hindrance. Yeah. I'm looking at a naked Natch Rancher, Dave Carney. 
Yeah, that's kind of an alluring painting here. Um, with, his, with his bits hanging low. He's got tall, looks like he has tall white socks and some Vans old schools on in this picture. Um, and it was painted by an artist who paints with his own penis. He dips his penis in the paint. His name? Precasso. It's just... He's a, he's a greased up, <laughs> very uh, wow. sleek, wow. hydrodynamic dude. Looks like a swimmer. It's in the it's in the Google Doc, this or, is or if picture, you go right? to like at Big Brother Magazine, I this think was it a callback. This was a callback. Right? Well, I don't know when this picture was made, but circa two thousand and eight. I guess it was made in about two thousand eight. <laughs> but it, but you got to wonder, like I like the way Dave's squatting. I know, just his stuff is hanging. But I, I wonder. It looks like I wonder if this guy works from actual he photographs. Looks, he looks so I'm wondering, like, is this picture exists somewhere of Dave squatting naked? Because <laughs> it's totally possible that it does. But uh, it's also totally possible this guy just, you know, worked from his own imagination. But hey, man, nice looking junk, Dave. Only the immortals are immortalized. You need to back the fuck up, dude. What is going on this week? Nothing's going on. You don't know how to use a microphone. <clears throat> you think by now you would have figured it out? I'm normally closer than this. I don't know what to tell you, man. I'm just saying, I think, uh, like everyone involved with Natch, nice package, Dave. Yeah. Congratulations on a good one on you. Repost of your 2008 <laughs> penis painted portrait. I wonder if Dave has this portrait. I'll bet you Picasso has Like, it. that's a real honor for some dude to paint a picture of it with his dick. That means you've arrived somewhere. You could. <sighs> Everybody has different uh, definitions of different honor. yardsticks. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Whole Foods lives up to... I think it's quite, it's oh, cute. What? It's just cute. That picture? <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah. It's funny that he's, he's like pensive. He's like, he's thinking about yeah. something serious. It makes me think like he's about to bust into a Danzig impersonation. Yeah. Yep. That's... Oh, looks like a funeral progression, Mark. So here you are, confronted right. with death I can as you try that, to podcast. I can't. I can't. <clears throat> whole Foods lives up to whole paycheck nickname this Thanksgiving. This one's from Bloomberg. The price of a basket of twenty ingredients commonly used to prepare Thanksgiving dinner. Like, like what? Things like turkey, potatoes, canned corn, stuffing, and green beans rose seven point six percent to ninety four dollars and sixty three cents at the organic grocer this year. Even as food deflation pulled down grocery prices across the industry, according to a price study conducted this week by Bloomberg Intelligence at stores in northern New Jersey. 7.6%. Did you get that? You get a 7.6% raise last year? Uh, I think I'd make probably... Make $94.63 a year? About how many, yeah. I can afford one dinner a year. You can save up for Thanksgiving <clears throat> dinner. That's a, that's, a, that's a lot of... I bought a 30-pound organic... Percents. That's all the percents. 30-pound organic turkey from Whole Foods this year, and it was $100. A $100 turkey. In fact, we're going to have some turkey sandwiches later because I got to move some of this bird out of my house. Oh, nice. I'm excited. Yeah, it's like over a week old, but I'm sure it's fine. It's cooked. It's good. Overall, the average price of the Thanksgiving shopping basket fell 3.4% to $66.15 this year. So you go to Whole Foods, it's going mm -hmm. up 8%. You go anywhere else, it's buy dropping. cheap, less wholesome food, it's down 3, three plus. Yeah, you know why that's happening, Mark? Because Whole Foods created a this customer base. You're going to tell me. I'm and then now it. all these other retailers are trying to poach it. Walmart's uh -huh. got organics. Target has organics. 
everyone's got organics and they can sell them at cheaper prices. Look at you. Because well, it's not as boutique But, but for a shopper looking to serve a fully organic meal, Whole Foods was the only retailer in the study where the 20 items were available. The, the, price, only, the only one? The only one. The price of the organic basket was $134.95, up almost 26% year over year. Jesus. You know man. what's funny too is like I, I put this uh, crazy. I put this chart into the Google Doc because look at the That's a lot. So you got it's it's like showing the different prices. Whole Foods, of course, is super expensive. Then you got it's the most fresh market, a little cheaper. Trader Joe's a little cheaper still. Shop and stop. Like what the fuck is that? A little cheaper. Stop and shop is like a convenience chain. Yeah, average. Northeast. I don't know what average is. That's a little cheaper. Target. Excuse me. Average is the average. It's not the name of a store. Oh my God. <laughs> Wait, but what the average, what's that makes no sense. It's like the mean of the whole thing. Why'd they have to put this on this? Why would you put that on the graph though? That makes no sense. It's so telling, man. God. <laughs> average, which average? I've never been to average. Should I go it's, Why does that belong in this graph? Because they're telling you that the average of all the stores they surveyed showed a 3.4% decrease, which we talked about. All right, well, Target, Walmart, but look at this. <laughs> Fucking Aldi. Have you ever been into an Aldi? I thought it was Trump America. That was our problem. Have you ever been into an Aldi? Oh, yeah. Can you imagine buying a savory Thanksgiving dinner, like ingredients to cook one there? I don't think so. I remember going there and buying like a big fucking raft of toilet paper. That's right. It's just weird that they're in this study. Well, some people have to shop there. I'm going to try that new store, Average. I've just never seen Average put into a, so into a bar it's graph so like this. It's so hard to hold back on that one. You didn't oh. hold back. You didn't hold back oh, at all. I'm holding back. Okay. All right. Can we... God damn. Can we be done with this book soon, please? Oh, wait. We're, oh, yeah. We're not doing In the Face. In the Face no. is now its own show. And guess what? Guess who's never picking a book club book again? You. Mr. Morose here. Yeah, that's... that's I can't read this right now. It's... <laughs> I'm reading so many other books that I like better. Oh, really? Yeah. What? I'm reading The Borrowers, Afloat. Is that about the little mice kids book? That's sort of a kids book. I mean, it's young adult fiction. I'm writing a piece of young adult fiction about... Well, I don't want to say because I haven't... I need to file it with the... I have my screenplay copyrighted. Your, your agent is... <laughs> no, not my agent. I've filed for a copyright, like, on my screenplay. But the copy... What? That's... Okay, Mark. You know the cheap way to do that? You just mail it to yourself. Yeah, that doesn't hold up. I read some articles. None of it holds up. You want up. to do it the right way. Oh, okay. So anyway, I'm reading... I read some articles. I did. I read some articles by a... It is the feeling of the night. I... Dude, I, I, have, I have nothing but faith in you in post-production that we can make all this come together. Thank Good you, timing. So Good timing. Uh-huh. All of the recording today has been nuts for me. I'm okay. I'm not, hey, I'm not mad, man. It's not like I, I would, know anything I wouldn't better. give a shit if you are mad. <laughs> You're yeah. fucking crazy. It's like, it's really crisp and like, like the mic. And I then it's also like the sound is way off. It's just, I think you. I don't change these things. You don't know that you change them. <laughs> no, I don't. I think you're just. Then it's like, hey, I think this might be like, oh yeah, how'd that get on there? Huh. No. Well, wait a minute. I got this whole uh, filter on for. No, there's no filter on anything. It's the feeling of the night. All right, Joan. I mean, <sighs> I don't. You know what? Skip it. Good, good episode of the book club. <laughs> yeah. You don't. You don't want to talk about I it. I can't handle it, man. It's too. I. All right. I mean, it's a good book. It's a great book. 
I don't think it's a great book club book. No, this you is know a, what? This it's is not a, a great you read weekly. this book alone. It's not a good weekly book club. Yeah, we should have just knocked this out. How about this? I like the word mudgy. All mudgy. How about we talk about twelve? Wait, do we? How many chapters do we have left after this? We're on eleven and twelve, and you decided last week that you just couldn't resist talking about eleven. Oh. And you got all mad when I was mad. But what I was really thinking was, well, what are you going to talk about next week when we have to cover eleven? Since yeah. you've spilled all your beans already. Well, and I haven't read twelve. Okay, I'll just take care of this book club for you real quick. <laughs> I read some of it. Uh, so of reading, I'm reading hospitals. The Borrowers. I'm reading, I read The Borrowers. I'm reading The Borrowers Afloat. I got this book called The Fix. It's all about, it's like about these shining examples of different governments around the world solving like the biggest problems that face humanity. Like that's some fucking antidote right now. Something like that. I got an Orson Scott card book from the library. I'm reading a lot. <laughs> I'm done watching shows for a while. Wow. Fucking reading. Wow. Better for you. I remember learning at UCLA the names of many tests and scales. I thought these were cool. The commer- This is, uh, I think, neuro- neurology. <laughs> Tests involved in the neurological profession. The Kimura box test. The two-point discrimination test. The Glasgow coma scale. Or the Glasgow. The Glasgow outcome scale. Just colorful point. Liked it. I think I can hear listeners dropping off the vine here. How telling that when she was sitting there with her daughter, in point of fact, what I, what I watched from the windows at UCLA was a swimming pool. I never once saw anyone swim in this swimming pool. Although it was filled, filtered, I could see the little swirl where the water entered the filter and the bubbling where it reemerged, sparkling in the sun and surrounded by patio tables with parasols. An empty swimming pool. A night or two before he died, John asked me if I was aware how many characters died in the novel he had just sent to press, Nothing Lost. He had been sitting in his office making a list of them. I added one he had overlooked. Some months after he died, I picked up a legal pad on his desk and made it to make a note. On the legal pad, in very faint pencil, his handwriting was the list. I'm not going to read the names, but... Mark, you're, a, you're an author. You've written short stories. Not all of them about humping bums. <laughs> in fact, none of them about <laughs> the, the, humping the bums. Kepler Trek. Mark's bum, erotic bum fiction. <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing. Uh, have you ever killed a character in one of your works? Ooh. Yeah, there's a, there's a question, huh? A question. Anybody di- uh, A dog died in one. Okay. Sort Was there one where a tragically? baby got splashed with boiling water? Oh, wait, that oh, yeah, was David Foster No, 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 I've got that one too, yeah, yeah. Okay. I remembered the... Wait, re- that's all you got, a dog? I don't think I've written about death really that much. That's weird, because you're obsessed with it. Yeah, well, you know what? No, I don't. I transcend that from my art. No, you can't even sit still for a tarot card reading. I remembered the real estate agent telling me how... They sell their house, right? How meaningful it would be to the buyers were we to give them suitably inscribed copies of the books we had written in the house. How cool is that? Pretty cool, except that the buyers don't give a shit. Except for the buyers burn the house down. They fucking scrape the house, and who knows where the books are. Yeah, I read some of this shit. I thought that was neat, too, though. If you lived in a house of authors, you could, oh, these are the books we wrote in this house. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Is, is that, I remember when they transfer her... Di- oh. Is it arrogant or is it, like, nice? I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, well... No, I would, be, I would appreciate that. Well, you would. The house... No, if I wasn't the author, but I bought a house that someone had written books I in. I know, I said you would. Oh. Author of Kepler's Trek. shoppers at Aldi wouldn't? Yeah, I'm going to make bitch. that generalization. You are. 
So they transfer her daughter from uh, California to New York. It's quite an ordeal, remember? And the plane is a mix-up. They have to land in Kentucky and they get fast food. They get a Big Mac. Yeah. But it's not a Big Mac. It's a quarter pounder with cheese. Le Big Mac. Did you know the guy? Oh, food news eventually. The guy who invented the Big Mac died this week. Is that uh, John Travolta? No. Samuel L. Jackson. Not even close. The inventor of the Big Mac. I'm not kidding you, man. He was a franchisee, a McDonald's franchisee, and he concocted that recipe himself for his own uh, location, which I assume would be kind of risky in a franchisee situation. You're supposed to adhere to... <laughs> I know, right? So anyway, he's dead. Death, life, life. But he lived to be a, an old man, which to me <laughs> says that he didn't eat a lot of Big Macs. Look at the notes. Look at my notes in this book. This death, one is just death, death. Yeah, this one is just death slash life. Here's another one that's life dot 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 death. Oh yeah, and here's that old that old tired trope. His voice is his his voice is still the one on the answering machine. Can't mm-hmm. change it, right? No. I reread True Confessions. I found it darker. This is a book that her husband had written. I found it darker than I'd remembered it. I reread Harp. I found a different, less sunny version of the summer we watched Tenko and went to dinner at Morton's. Is this a blessing or is this a curse that she can read these books her deceased husband wrote? Um, probably a little bit of both. I think you're right. Uh, okay, yeah, then he, that's right. Then he dies and okay, we're on to chapter 13, book club. Let's just finish oh, this Oh, by book. the way, this was Joan Didion, The Year of Magical Thinking. <laughs> <clears throat> Let's just finish the book for next episode. Uh, can we? That's a lot of pages, man. Well, I'll probably pretend to have finished it, but we should finish I'm it. I'm going to finish it. I'll finish it. All we right, gotta, we'll try. You know what we got to read next? Thich Nhat Hanh, Being Peace. All right. That's what you need. I got a new rule, though. If we're going to do a book club book, I think I need to buy it so that I can write in it. That's You can buy any book you want. Can I? I'm not, I'm not saying you have to get it from the library. Do I have to ask Donald? I got an amazing piece of intermission music for us, or interlude music, I should say. It is an interlude. The song is called Bleeding Heart, You Are the One. The band okay. is called The Dig. Ooh. The album doesn't come out until February. It's, I really look forward to these interludes. It's called Bloodshot Tokyo. This album is fucking awesome. If you like uh, pop music, but with a lot of unexpected twists and turns, uh-huh. this is your fucking record right here. Bring I'm going to play this for you. It, it starts... It almost sounds a little melancholic at first, and it's sort of a sad song. It's a song of unrequited love. But the chorus is like maybe the most beautiful thing I've heard in a while. And when we come back... Nope. No time yes! To talk. And when we come back... <sighs>
reach the food news eventually portion of Natch 92. But how about the dig? Were you digging the dig? I did. Go dig, get dig it. Go get Bloodshot Tokyo in February when it comes out. There's also a video available for another song in there is off this album called Simple Love. I urge you to check it out. It's a funny video. It's another great song. You tweeted it. <clears throat> I did. I said watch this and feel better. It's just a wonderful piece of freaking music. Food news eventually. Eventually. We are watching. Yep. We are watching. Oh, I think it already played. You just didn't hear it, but it was there. Really? Yeah. All right. That was the sound cue was there. Don't worry about it. Doesn't hardly matters. Post production. What, what, what kind of what kind of game are you playing over I'm there? Playing no games. This is um. A new recurring segment where we watch the food world change, cower, shiver, and shake in a post-Trump America. Well, it's in a pre-Trump America, actually. Pre-Trump America. Breitbart denounces Kellogg's ads polling move as un-American. Mm-hmm. Says Douglas Yu, food navigator. Food navy. So guess what? I didn't do any poll quotes because I couldn't cut and paste off the web. Oh, yeah, because of their wonderful website. <clears throat> the Kellogg Company has announced it will pull advertisements from far-right news publication Breitbart, whose executive chairman is U.S. President-elect Donald Trump's appointed chief strategist, Steve Bannon. I think it's pronounced Banone. <laughs> almost, almost said Banyan. Bunyan. So, hey, you're allowed to advertise wherever the hell you want, Kellogg. Good for you. Yeah. But you know who doesn't like that? The alt-right. Don't use that word. Here's a tweet from Brandon Darby. I didn't realize how many times rats or maggots were reportedly found in your products at Kellogg Company. That's gross. Hashtag dump Kellogg's. Where did he, where did he get the information to come to that realization about rats and maggots, I wonder? Uh, more importantly, Brandon Darby is the editor-in-chief of, like, Breitbart in Texas. Mm. So that's coming off from the top. <laughs> right from the top. Huh? Right from the top. That's the kind of tweet you get. And then we also, again, in the doc, we'll, we'll bring them to life for you now via words. But we've got some lovely mock-ups that the Twitterverse made of Special K. They rebranded that as Special KKK. It's clever. They got the Honey Nut Gestapos. Gestapos. Whew. And the Grope Nuts. <laughs> I like the Grope Nuts. I like the Grope Nuts, too. All right. Yeah, we're watching. Damn right we're watching. We are watching. Yep. We're watching. Story two. Still me. I brought this up because last week we had a little uh, vegan moment. Remember? Did we? Was it last week? Oh, were you two weeks ago? Ably, you're you're giving me shit for not for not figuring out what that average thing was on that uh, that infographic. Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, like that's ridiculous. You you thought eggs were vegan. <laughs> Who's no, the bigger idiot? The, well, the discussion we had was that there's flexibility in this term now. People are trying but to adopt. But there isn't. The, well, okay, I get it. I get what you're saying. It means one thing. <sighs> How the vegan movement broke out of its echo chamber and finally started disrupting things uh, by Chase Purdy, QZ, Quartz. Quartz. Oh, I should have given you this story. You love that site. You love a good Quartz story. I do. Good UX. After years of false starts. And I quote, sit back, relax, enjoy. Done. A small clan of seven people, most of them in Washington, D.C., considered a different tactic. 
in doing so, this is after those stardent, like just throwing blood on people and PETA and animals, animals, animals. Stardent? Uh, strident. Strident. <laughs> Shit, did I say stardent? Yeah. That's embarrassing. In doing so, they cleaved the vegan movement in two. Great word choice, because you don't really need a meat cleaver. Sowing bitter resentment, but also a bold path forward. A 2001 schism. I would say schism. Splintered the vegan community into two camps. Absolutists who tout (laughs) veganism. Did you say splintered? Or did you say splintered? (laughs) Am I getting every word wrong? Splintered the vegan. I might be hearing things. Yeah, it could be your tinnitus. Probably is my the vegan community into two camps. Absolutists who tout veganism as an all or nothing moral imperative, like Josh. No. And pragmatists who Wrong. quietly advocate for incremental change, like Beyonce. No, but you can't the call yourself a vegan if you're eating fucking animal products. Finally outgrew its heart. And in less than two decades, the pragmatic vein of the movement has morphed into one of the biggest disruptors of the American food system. I think uh, Chase Purdy had a lot of fun writing this article because he, he's he's peppered it with little meat related terms like cleaved <laughs> vein heart i see what he's doing here oh you think or so? she i don't know it could be a she i think it's a boy okay right on man so you got the absolutist right who were uh they were throwing red paint at the fashion industry they were picketing mcdonald's they were revolting revolting right um but doing those things doesn't make you a vegan. The only thing that makes you a vegan is not using or eating animal products. Okay, That's my only okay, point. Okay, but it's what? not some hardline shit. It's the definition of a freaking word. We're stuck on this point. I, I grant no, you, you that. you keep bringing I this point up. I grant you that. You just said, like, Josh. I grant you that, but then there's also a nuance to the movement that has developed beyond the definition. All right, well, they're not vegans. They're vegetarians. In... Or vegan-esque. Uh... Maybe they're freegans. From the absolutist point of view, the pragmatists, so from Josh's point of view, Beyonce Mm. diminished the importance of fighting for animal lives by concentrating her energies on farm animal welfare. That's what happened behind the scenes. They stopped being so activist and started to go after legislation and animal conditions on farms. Yeah. Which would mean that you still would eat the animals, right? Guess what? When we're all required to live on one liter of water a day, you won't be eating meat anyway. A commitment to reducing animal suffering, argues Gary Franchione, a Rutgers University law professor, leading voice in this veganism space. He was an abdication of the bigger mission of freeing animals altogether. He created a website and drew a clear line in the sand, laying out no uncertain terms the principles of being a vegan. Josh loves that website. It's called abolitionistapproach.com. Uh, woven into those principles was one sentence that took specific aim at the pragmatic bunch. Abolitionists should not support welfare reform campaigns or single issue campaigns, yeah. which is where all the victories have been happening. Wow. The Humane Society, the Hampton Creeks, all these people, all these people. Yeah. The old abolitionist says they're just making money for their products. That's probably a little bit of that. Well, uh, mass- here's what I'm fucking telling you, and I'll say it again. Vegan. When, when everyone on the planet is required to live on one liter, well, everyone on the planet who's not president-elect what? or that wealthy gets one liter of water today of per day because that's all that's fucking left. Hmm. You're not going to be eating meat. We're not going to be giving water to animals so that we can eat them. It's going to take a little while for that to come, that day to come. But so this is all moot. The vegans will win because we will not be able to sustain animals. 
Well, I mean, it takes water to grow crops, too. Not as much, homie. That's when you get those pulses. Low water, low fertilizer. See, now you can see what I'm Pulse saying. Pulse it up. We're just going to be, we're going to be taking fucking little water dropper or, you know, eye droppers. That's Oof. how you're going to drink your water. We're not going to be very Eight, eight ounce glasses. You'll be lucky to get eight drops an hour. An hour? Yeah. You're going to moisten A your day. tongue. Yep. And then you're going to eat pulses. You're going to die. You need more than eight drops a day. <laughs> That's the end game. Hey. Speaking of Trump soda and weed, I've got your November food policy roundup. Oh, do you? From Modern Farmer, written by Brian Barth. Just took a few excerpts from this very exhaustive and informative and Take wonderful article. Yeah. Subscribe to the newsletter. Hi at Natch.is. Text the Soundhawk. What's that number, Soundhawk? Three, three, five, four, eight, six, six, six. Get on this fucking newsletter, man. Get you the link to this article. Or you could Google search it. But in the time it takes you to do that, you could just text the Soundhawk and get on our newsletter list. And then there's a picture of a painting that a guy did with his dick of a naked guy. That, that's Subscribe there. to the newsletter. That, what more could you want? I mean... While it's still far too early to know how Trump's campaign promises will translate into reality, the folks he has named to cabinet positions to date, those that are under consideration and those that are staffing his transition team, do not make any major change, of course, seem likely. Dun, dun, dun. Remember, remember how cute it was right after the election? I was like, oh, maybe it's all just a ruse. He's really a, a secret Democrat. Nope. Yeah, I do remember you saying He's that. He's fucking nuts. So we got Myron Ebel. Oh, yeah. Ebel. Ebel. Myron Bell. Trump has not named a new EPA administrator, but uh, this his point person on the EPA transition team is this well-known anti-environmentalist and climate denier. Ebell, a lobbyist for numerous oil companies as well as Dow Chemical Company, uh, a pesticide manufacturer. So look forward to that. Michael Torrey. Excuse me. Uh, is so so Trump is also not named a USDA secretary, though food and ag- agriculture lobbyist. Again, another lobbyist thought he was going to drain the swamp. Michael Torrey, who Mother Jones food writer Tom Pilpot, Tommy P. We love you, Tom. He described uh, Torrey as sympathetic figure to big soda, big snack, big dairy, and big ag. Is, is big snack really that scary? <laughs> the big worst snack. The worst of the bunch. Big Fucking snack. granola bars. Um, what was I saying? Oh, he was initially charged with overseeing the transition at the Department of Agriculture. Tory has since resigned from the transition team, so the position's open. So maybe it'll be uh, David Crazy Fox Bronner. I'd like to see him up there. Can you see him meeting with Trump, advising him on I don't know. foam parties out in the desert? According to Politico, one of the top candidates for USDA secretary is the infamous Texas Commissioner of Agriculture, Sid Miller. Oh, Sid. The co-chairman of Trump's Agriculture Advisory Committee during his campaign, who recently referred to Hillary Clinton as a, I'm just going to say cunt, because that's what he said in a tweet. It was quickly deleted. This is funny. He uh, he blamed a third-party vendor. What does that (laughs) even mean? Somebody did that for him? Like somebody logged into his, uh, he has outsourced some of his tweeting to people who like to call people cunts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. I'm not your my volume's down on Twitter. I'm gonna outsource that and get a, yeah. get some help from you. What are you gonna kind of stuff you're gonna kick out? How about this one? Oh great. Oh wait, no, I didn't know. Oh whoops. Um he apologized. I don't know that story. We, I, he could be a great guy. No, he couldn't. Whether the tweet was Miller's doing or not, there's no question that his views on food are antiquated. He's known for repealing a Texas ban on soda we machines. We talked about and that story. 
He's known for repealing a Texas ban on soda machines. We and, talked about that story. And deep fryers in public schools and has also granted amnesty to cupcakes as part of a publicity stunt to send the message that policies to encourage healthy eating aren't welcome in Texas. God damn it. So there's some bleakness. I told you, these are the jabs to the face. Yep. Here's, here's something a little happier. You may have survived the punch. Can you survive the jabs? There's a lot of them coming. Uh, Berkeley and Philadelphia. It's like your face is a fucking speed bag. And uh, Rocky Balboa is just working it, dude. Berkeley and Philadelphia, which enacted soda taxes in November of 2014 and June of 2016, respectively, are now joined by five other cities that passed similar legislation on election night. San Francisco, Oakland, Almaty, California, (laughs) Boulder, and Cook County, Illinois, where Chicago is located. Yeah, we talked about that. Boulder enacted a two cents per ounce tax, topping Philadelphia's 1.5 cents. Highest tax. There you go. That's Boulder, baby. Boulder Quest. Yappity yap. What else? So this is interesting. (laughs) Maine, Massachusetts, and Nevada and California all approved legislation to legalize recreational weed. There you go. That's what you want. That doubles the number of states where citizens can light up a joint for fun or a bong or a dab. I don't know what a dab is. A dab is like some crazy thing where you heat up hash oil and it's supposed to be kind of dangerous. I've never dabbed. I don't think I ever will. It like gets you like the highest you could ever possibly get. Like it makes pot into like something like way intense. Sweet. You know, you're not just going to chill and watch Ren and Stimpy on a dab. You're going to be under the bed (laughs) shivering. Ren and Stimpy. Um... Montana, North Dakota, Arkansas, and Florida voters there approved measures to legalize medicinal marijuana, bringing the total number of states with laws giving marijuana some form of legal protection to 29, plus the District of Columbia. And so because because these these new states are Republican-leaning states, the uh, marijuana marijuana advocacy groups are starting to think maybe this isn't a partisan issue anymore. But... If Jeff Sessions is indeed named mm-hmm. s- attorney general, dude hates weed. There's dude, some, he there's hates some, a lot of things. There's some quote attributed him to him that he thought the KKK was an all right organization until he found out they smoked pot. <laughs> really? And he thinks you can get addicted to pot because Lady, <clears throat> Gaga, Lady Gaga said that she was addicted to pot. So, <laughs> so these are the people running the world. Hey, Lady Gaga. Have you seen that new album's great? One more point to make here, Mark. It's got like a rodeo theme. Yeah, I, I've seen the commercial during NFL games in the so, face. Check it out. So good. Is it? Oh, I love Lady Gaga. She's a genre bender. I like some of some of her ballads are very moving to me. Excuse me. Yeah, she's no Dave Matthews. The news uh, has made corporate scale pot growers ecstatic. She couldn't play those fingerings. Uh, the industry expects to reach $22 billion in annual sales in the U.S. by 2020. That's a lot of money. Some small-scale growers who have, made, who have long made their living on the black market are worried that the coming of age of big marijuana will put them out of business. So many bigs. Big bud. Big ag. Why don't you just call it big bud? Big chem. Big snack. Big bud. Big bud. Big nug. Big nug. Big fluff nug. Big dab. Big dab. Big, big, big. Big baby. The weird thing about dabs, too, is that's also the name of that end zone, the touchdown dance that Cam Newton does, you know, where he kisses his bicep. That's called the dab. Hmm. So it's a confusing time right now because there are a lot of people dabbing, as in like heating up 
hash oil and getting super high. And then there's kids at school dabbing. that are doing the dab. Oh yeah. yeah. The kids are into dabbing these days. That could mean two things. It's you want to know the real answer? Parent. As a parent, you have to be vigilant. You have to pay attention. You have to have these discussions early and often. You have to with understand children. what your kids are doing. Have you talked to your kids about dabbing? Have you? We've talked a lot about Cam Newton dabbing. You're halfway there. But they, they've seen... Uh, Has the music faded in yet? No. I mean, it's weird that kids don't notice the smell. This whole state smells like weed all the time. Quite often. There's very few places you can drive where you're not going to get a pot whiff from time to time. It's kind of weird. And you never know if it's like someone exhaling. Because you see people vaping all the time in their cars too, and you never know what's in the vape. Exactly. Is it tobacco? Is it dab oil? Is it... Or did I just drive by a grow facility? I don't know. I don't know. There's one thing I do know, Mark, and it is this. You want to take over, but you don't have the nerve. You want to run away, but you will have to curb. You want to...